This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com. So we want to jump right in today. We've been talking about, uh, the, we started last week, the very first series on the book of Romans. We've been, we're going to walk through the book of Romans and what God has to say through us through this incredible, incredible book in the New Testament. And uh, so uh, again, I want to welcome you. If you're here, I, I, I debated saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. But if you're church shopping, can I say to you, the shopping is over, all right? <laughs> You're here. No. So we, we, we hope that we can serve you and hope you relax, grab a cup of coffee and, and enjoy yourselves. But we are in part two. We're talking about the book of Romans. And basically the underlying theme when you look at the book of Romans is basically clarity in the midst of chaos. And, and we live in a chaotic world and, and we need clarity. And so we started last week, I gave you kind of an overview of the book of Romans. I'll kind of review that quickly as uh, I told you that it was written by a, a, a guy by the name of Paul. And what we learned about Paul was he was a man who, who hated the church. He hated Christians, and then he became one. <laughs> and everything changed for him. And he ended up being one, probably, if not the most, definitely one of the most influential uh, Christian leaders uh, who wrote letters to all the churches, uh, through many churches. He planted many churches. He's a central figure in the New Testament. And one of those letters he, he wrote is this letter we're talking about, this book of Romans, this letter of Romans. And it was written to a group of Christians in the city of Rome. And I told you last week that Rome was absolutely the opposite of Las Vegas, the motto of Las Vegas, right? Like whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That is not Rome. Uh, in other words, it was whatever happened in Rome spread to the world. Everyone knew about it. And so Paul writes this crucial, crucial letter that's filled with um, doctrine. It's full of direction for our lives. Um, in fact, many call it, and I said this last week, the gospel according to Paul. Uh, we know we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those were the first gospels, and those gospels um, describe the life of Jesus. They describe what Jesus did. But then we literally get right after the book of Acts, right at, newly in the gospels, we get this book called Romans. And Paul, they, many people refer to it as Paul's gospel, where, where he gives us this, the theological ramifications of what Jesus did on earth. Like, how can we live our lives? Because of what Jesus did, how, you, how should you and I live our personal lives? And it, it shows us the results of a life that's committed to Jesus. Because of what Jesus did, this is what you can expect. Because of what Jesus did, this is how you can live. And it's amazing that way. And so last week, I told you throughout this series, uh, when we go through the book of Romans, I'm always going to start or I'm always going to caveat the um, this, this sermon with an I am statement, right? And so last week, we talked about I am unashamed of the gospel. And it was incredible in the second service to see so many people who, who stood up and said, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to be unashamed of the gospel. And I hope you took that serious because I want you to know that is a big deal. Because if we truly believe that, if we're truly unashamed of the gospel, it should change our church. It should change the way we live life and the way we interact even in our community. And so I just love what God's doing at our church. But today I want to jump off in Romans, still in Romans chapter one. And, and I want to start it with this way. One verse 20, if you're taking notes, it'll be on the screen. But it says this for you. It says, Paul's writing, it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And so today I want to give you your, your I am. I love what Paul says there, without excuse. Here's your I am statement for this day. Here's the sermon title. I am done with excuses. I am done with excuses. There's a whole world group of people who are so good at making excuses. You've been around them. Maybe you're one of them. <laughs> And we're around these people like making excuses to why my marriage is not good, making excuses to, to why your finances are not good, making excuses to why you, you can't serve the church, or maybe just making excuses to why your life is the way that your life is. And my challenge for us across our church is to, gra is to grasp what the gospel is really all about, to realize, according to Paul, we should be done with excuses. 
We no longer have excuses. We have no excuse to live a life. Hear me, church. We have no excuse to live a life less than what Jesus came and paid for us to have. Why would we live a life less than what Jesus paid for us to have? And so I, I believe this. I know this excuses were made, are made throughout life. And so I just thought I'd bring a couple for you that maybe you could, could relate to excuse-wise. Here's the first one. You ever seen this before? Um, I'm sorry I'm late. The traffic was crazy. Come on, you can relate to that because you've been there, right? The traffic was a little crazy, right? How, how about this one? Like going through, if you're that TSA flying Pearson, right? Like, sorry, sir, no food past this point. And you're like, well, no, it's my emotional support. Um, I don't know anybody has food for emotional support, uh, but... Uh, I love this one. Maybe you've, ex- maybe you've practiced this one with your kids. You put it on them. Like maybe you're holding a milkshake and your kid's like, what's that? And you're holding an Oreo milkshake and you just say to them, it's spicy. You won't like it, right? Like it turns them up. You don't want like this, right? It's got jalapenos in it. Another one, maybe your friends invite you to uh, have, do you have plans this weekend? And you write back to them. You're like, oh, sorry, I can't go. I have plans this weekend. And there's your plans, Right? I'm just gonna chill. But it's easy to say I have plans. You're not lying, technically, right? And then the last one, I just throw it in here. Let's see if you get this. I, I just thought, how about this one? So, you talk, sorry, I'm late. I broke down on the way to work. Your boss is like, is your car working fine now? And you're like, car, right? Now, some of you'll get that when you go home later. <laughs> like we're talking about like, you ever going to work and you're like having a physical breakdown on your way in, right? I can't, I broke down. But there's just excuses. Life is just full uh, of reasons why we can't do this and we can't do that. They're all over the place. And so I wanna encourage us today as we, we jump into this and we talk about what are the excuses that we put before us. If you really wanna make something happen in your life, I believe this, we've got to learn to get over the excuse and move forward for what God has for you. Move forward in the plans that he has for your life. In fact, I wrote it down this way if you're taking notes. You, you, can, you can make progress or you can make excuses. You can't make both. You can make progress or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. And some of us are stuck in whatever situation we're in and we can't seem to move from that. And I wanna challenge us as a church and as most importantly as followers of Christ that we have to move forward and realize that there is absolutely something bigger that God has for us. There's absolutely God has something bigger for you. So I, so I want us to live a life without excuse, especially to live a life without excuse spiritually. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know whether, whether things are messed up in your spiritual life or in your health or in your mind, or maybe things are messed up with, with your joy or in your relationships, but I know this, whatever is lacking I want to encourage you to to put off the excuses today and pursue all that God has for you. Again, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, but I I wrote this way. You, You will fully step into your calling when you stop making excuses and start making an effort. You really will. We have to make an effort. Now, I know it kind of sounds like a self-help talk, right, that we're having this morning, like, hey, you can do it. You got this. But it's true. Uh, again, I've said it in church before, but I, uh, it's kind of my mantra in life. I just believe hope is not a strategy. And when it, it's definitely hope is not a strategy when it comes to experiencing all that God has for you. How many of you know you've got to put an effort into it? You've got to work at it. We, and we get frustrated with God sometimes. All the time we're like, well, God, I'm not, why haven't I seen certain things happen in my life? Um, why aren't these things going the way that I think they should go? And Paul tells us there's a life that we can live that is without excuses. And I want to present that to you today, that, that because of the gospel, because of the gospel, we as Christians can no longer present excuse after excuse after excuse of why we aren't living the way God has called us to live. We don't have the excuses anymore. And there's another group here today that maybe you're at that place, you hear, you walked into our church this morning and maybe you're at that place where you're not quite following the God, God completely. Maybe this whole Christian thing is not 100% part of your life. Can I also encourage you, if that's you in this room, you also are without excuse. Because one day, all of us in this room will stand before a holy and righteous God. We will stand before a holy, righteous God. And on that day, guess what? Our excuses will mean nothing. They'll mean nothing. 
And so Paul maps it out pretty clearly of why our excuses do not count when it comes to the big things in your lives that God has for us. And that there, are, there have been moments like when I'm talking to people as a pastor and, and, they, and they give me reason after reason and excuse after excuse because of this issue and that issue. And eventually I, I just have to look them in the face and say, can I speak into your life for just a moment? Can I speak in your life for a moment and do the hard cop and talk and just say, you know what? Your excuses don't matter. They don't matter, right? You've got to make an effort. You've got to put everything into it. And so we have to realize, you and I have to realize, if the gospel is real, and can I tell you, it is. And if Jesus did what he said he did, which he did, then we have no reason to live less than what God has called us to live. We just have no reason to, right? Um, and, and I know this morning, hear me, I, I know this, this seems a little intense and, and uh, just hang with me. We'll all laugh and celebrate together later. Is that okay? Well, I feel like I need to be intense with you just for a little bit this morning because that's what Paul's presenting to us. And so this morning, quickly, Paul gives us three reasons. I wanna go through them quickly this morning of why we are without excuse. Three reasons why we are without excuse. Let me give you the first one. We are without excuse because the wrath of God is serious. The wrath of God is serious. All right, put your seatbelt on. Here we go, right? Get ready to walk out. The wrath of God is serious. Look at Romans verse 18, still chapter one. He says this, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now this morning, I wanna show you not just how it's revealed in scripture, how the wrath of God is revealed in scripture, but how the wrath of God is revealed in our world today. Now, I know this is not a fun subject to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about the wrath of God. It's not a popular subject. Nobody wants to hear, I mean, God's got wrath. You mean God judges people? But I wanna tell you, church, this morning, the doctrine and the theology behind this fact is that God's judgment and God's wrath is very real. It's very real. And hear me this morning, it is as much a part of his character as his love is, as his kindness is, as his joy, as his peace, as his care for us. And all those things, right? We love to hear about God's love and his peace and his kindness and his care. We love that. But then when you hear about the, this other part of God, it's like, oh, I don't like that part of God. I don't wanna talk about judgment and wrath. I, don't, I mean, I don't wanna hear that. But here's the problem for us this morning. You can't pick or choose what part of God you like. You have to take the whole thing. And the reality is God's wrath and judgment is part of his nature. It's part of his nature. It's, and not only that, his wrath and judgment has been seen throughout the scriptures. Like we see it all the time. I don't know about you, but doesn't it always feel like God's mad in the old whole Testament? Like he's just angry, he's there. Here's why we need to talk about it, church, because you will never ever understand how good the good news is if you don't have an understanding of how bad the bad news is. Let me say it again. You will never, you have to understand uh, how good the good news is because if you don't have an understanding, you'll never understand how good the, the bad news is, how bad the bad news is. In our society, people are in the world thinking, you know what? God is so loving and God is so great. We can do whatever I want. He's just that God. He's just that person. And he is all those things. But they also don't realize there's a whole nother side to this thing. We have to, to come to grips with the fact that God's wrath is real. And, and it, it sounds intolerant, it sounds like, but it's not intolerant. The reality is it's part of his character. It's part of who God is. And I get questions all the time, like why would God send people to hell? And like I said before, why does God seem so mad and angry in the Old Testament? And that's why this series, this Romans talks is so significant to us because Paul maps out the wrath of God and the judgment of God. And he takes this idea, he kind of presents it in a way, Paul presents it like almost as if he is a prosecuting attorney. And he's pulling together, he's building a case, he's building this evidence over these next first three, three chapters. And he's showing us, unfortunately, why we all deserve the wrath of God. And you're like, I don't wanna read that. Can we just skip those? 
But he's telling us, he's reminding us that none of us in this room, me, none of us in this room, none of us are righteous. Not a single one of us. We're all messed up. Like we're, we've all blown it. And because of that, the reality is we're deserving of this thing called wrath. Now, if you're gonna talk about God's wrath, can I encourage you with this? You can't put it, you can't put God's personality, God's characteristics into human thinking, into human terms. Uh, th- th- that, th- this is where we mess up so many times. We're always trying to put God into the way that we would think about it and the way that we would see things. So let me give you an example. So, so human wrath, here's the example of what human wrath is. Human wrath is emotional response that is irrational, uncontrolled, and cruel. That's what human wrath is. And we try to put God into that. So like someone cuts you off in traffic, what's your response? I'm gonna go cut them off, right? Your pastor got pulled over on Monday night by a policeman, right? God bless you, policeman. And it was the most weird encounter I've ever had. Because he goes into the car and he starts telling me what, I'm like, what did I do? I wasn't speeding. And he tells me what he said I did. I'm like, I don't think I did that. And then he says, well, she said you did that. I'm like, who's she? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then, so then he goes, well, um, I just want to make sure this wasn't a road rage incident. What are you talking about? Road rage? I just want to go home, right? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and so he's like, ah, oh, just, just, just go ahead and go. Just leave her alone. I'm like, I don't know who her is. Who's her? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. It was the most weird encounter. I felt like I was on a TV show or something. But just don't do road rage. So none of you do that, right? Because that's human wrath. So he's cruel, he's intolerant, he's all these things. And so we know that that's the definition. So when you look at God's wrath, you think it's like my parents who, who would get mad at me. We, put, we think God's wrath is like a teacher or a coach who would yell at you. We think of it in human terms, but, but it's different than God's wrath because when we see God's wrath in the scriptures, here's the reality. It's actually, God's wrath is actually very calculated and purposeful. It has purpose. So let me give you a definition of God's wrath. God's wrath is this, righteous opposition to evil and those who choose it. It's righteous opposition to evil and to those who choose that. Now, this is hard to hear because you know what? We like the idea of God loves everybody. We love the idea of God walking in a field of flowers, right? Hands out. We love the idea of God you know, just running on the beach, sun in the background, chariots of fire playing the music, right? We just love that idea of who God is, but that's not 100% of what he is. But we have to come to the reality that, that this isn't a Disney movie. This isn't a Disney movie. The reality is that there is wrath that is being poured out on the globe today for those who choose their own way. Let me put it in this perspective. I wrote on the screen. It says, the opposite of wrath is not love. It is neutrality. The opposite of wrath is not love. It's neutrality. So some people want to put God in a box and, and he's either love or he's wrath. That's how we want to box him. And that's not it at all because the opposite of wrath is not love. It's actually neutrality. So in other words, God is just neutral on everything. God is passive. This idea that, you know, God's just up in heaven and God's like, I don't care. Like God's in heaven. He's like, you know, you do whatever you want. It doesn't matter to me. Who am I? I'm just God. Who am I to judge, right? I'm only the creator of the universe. Why would I ever judge anybody? And that's the idea that we create God as this neutral God. Can I tell you, he's God. He can judge. <laughs> he's God. He, he sets the standard. And while we might be neutral, We might be neutral on sin and we might be neutral on our lifestyle. Can I tell you, church, God is not neutral. God is not neutral. God is clear when it comes to evil and when it comes to sin, God is not neutral. God is not like, well, you do you and it's all good. One way I illustrate is like, it's like a parent who sees someone harming their children, right? It's it's, it's God's reaction to our world today. No parent... If someone's harming your kid, no parent would be like, you know, that's okay, that's all right. Who am I to judge that you're harming my kid? Who am I to judge that this is a bad thing for them? Absolutely not. None of us would act that way. 
nor does God, because part of God's character would not to be to stay neutral on something that's destroying his people. He's not gonna stay neutral on something that's destroying his people. So Romans goes on in verse 21, it says this, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So he, he combats this idea, right, that we can do whatever we want. And he even goes further and says, when you do what you want, guess what happens? Worse things happen. Your heart gets eroded. All these things start to happen to you. He's reminding us that. And then he goes on in verse 22, 22 and he says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So what's Paul saying? He's basically just saying to us, you're serving something, you're just not serving the right thing. You're serving the wrong things. And I believe this in our room, everybody else, every one of us in this room, we're serving something in life. And here's what happens when you make a decision to serve something else rather than God. Paul maps it out for us. And he says, therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies uh, with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. He goes on, he maps out, everyone is serving something. He breaks it down and he says, listen, listen, listen. There is this, this is the result. If you wanna do life your way, if you want to do it on your own, then God says, all right, I'm going to give them over. And here's here's what the wrath of God is like. He says, it's when God gives us over to your own way, when I want to do my own thing, and you then you get all this stuff coming into your life, all these brokenness, all these things coming in your life that God never planned for your life. You never had these things for your life, but because you decided, hey, I'm gonna do it my own way, I'm gonna go my own path, these things start to come upon you. And then guess what? It begins to just, <clears throat> excuse me, destroy us. And we think, I see it all the time, we think we're actually in charge. We sit out here today and go, I'm the puppet moving my life. I'm doing it. We think we're in charge. And really, here's what's really happening. You might think you're in charge, but what's really happening is you are out of the protection of God and underneath the dominion of this world. You don't wanna be there. Hear me, church. And the result of that is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. When we see people whose lives are broken, whose lives are distraught and purposeless, there's, there's, they seem to be going nowhere. I think it's God is saying, you think you can do it your way. And this is what happens to you. People all the time ask me this question. They say, hey, <clears throat> do, you, do you think what God's, what's going on in our world today, do you, do you think that that's going to result in God's judgment on us? Like, do you think that what's happening in the world, God's gonna bring judgment? Like, do you think because of, of all that's happening, do you think the judgment is coming? Can I give you my response? My response is, I don't think that it's going to bring the judgment of God. I think it is the judgment of God. I think it is the judgment. It doesn't bring it, it is. Now listen, by the way, I know, I know this is intense this morning. If you're visiting, we really are a happy church. <laughs> we really are an optimistic church. We're not a doom and gloom church. We're good, we're good, right? You just picked this day to hear about the wrath of God. So like, go home, oh gosh. No, anyway, I, but I do wanna say this to you. I, I know it's intense, right? I know some of you are like, well, I, I, I don't need to know this part of God's character, but you do. Because the reality is, I just want us to be in right relationship with God. And some of us are gonna fall on a line where we're either like, I, I, wanna, I want the love of God, but I don't want the wrath of God. And we make that decision for our lives. And God's not gonna just sit there and be neutral. He's not gonna be neutral in our life. He's not gonna be neutral about the way we choose to live. And so there's a result, and Paul tells us these results. So here's what they are. They'll be on the screen. He says, listen, when you choose to go your own way, it's gonna lead to, lead to a deceived heart. Your heart's gonna be deceived. You're not gonna know which way to go. It's gonna lead to a deprived mind. Your mind's not gonna be able to decipher good from evil. Here's what, it's gonna lead to unnatural desires. Welcome to the world today, <laughs> Right? People are crazy in their desires. 
And it's led us that way, right? If I choose to do life outside of God and God's plan for my life, it's gonna lead to these unnatural desires. And then the last one, he tells us, I think it leads to an acceptance of sin, which is probably one of the, the worst things that has crept into the church today, where we've accepted sin. Or in other words, we just have a really low view of sin where we categorize it. Well, that's okay, but this isn't okay. Well, it's okay to live this way, but it's not okay to live this way. And we create this acceptance of sin. And the reality is Paul's reminding you and I, we are without excuse, church. You are without excuse. And if you're questioning, am I following God or I'm not, where am I at? I would ask you today, where is your excuse level? How do you excuse yourself? How do you see things? I know this is gonna sound a little old school, but I really think, again, I'm wondering if it's time for the church, if it's time for followers of Christ, if we need to reinstill a fear of God in our lives. I just wonder if we've just lost that fear of God. If we just don't have it. And it's, so it's caused us to have this low view of who God really is. And I love, absolutely love that God is gracious and merciful and loving. I love that God is, is quick to forgive and to save. I love that God is compassionate and slow to anger. I love that part of his nature, but we can't throw out the fact that he's also a very jealous God. You just can't throw that out. That when you step out of his plan, the result is the wrath of God. And, and you walk into a destructive life. And, and, and the reality is, is we're gonna stand before him one day and he's gonna look at us and say, you chose an eternity that is away from me. And I don't wanna be in that place. So Paul goes on and writes, he kind of concludes this first chapter in verse 32. And he says, although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death. They not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. It's a tough word. It's a tough thing. So I wanna take Paul at what he's saying to us. I wanted to take it very serious. I want us to live in such a way that when it comes to sin, when it comes to evil in the world, we are not neutral. We're not neutral about it. And with all love and all care to you today as, as, a past, as your pastor, if you are back and forth and if you have a low view of sin and a low view of God, can I just put the line in the sand and encourage you today, choose this day who you are going to serve. Choose this day, right? Would you, would we in this room choose to surrender our thoughts, choose to surrender our words, choose to surrender our, our actions all to Christ today? Let's don't, let's don't get on a destructive path. Hear, hear me, at the end of all of it, God loves you. At the end of it, he has a plan for your life. And here's the greatest news of all, your life is better with him. Your life is better with him. Let me get to number two real quick. I, I'm, I'm done with excuses because the creation of God, the creation of God is significant. The creation of God is significant. So not only does Paul tell us in Romans that, hey, the, the, the wrath of God is revealed, but he also goes into the creation of God. Look what, going back to that, that uh, verse 20 again, it says there, it says, um, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So I would say to you, if you're at a place where you're like, well, is God real? Like he, he's telling us this reality that God's fingerprint, his character is all over the place. His eternal power, his divine nature, his ability to do all that we want him to do is right in front of us. And, and if you're at that place where you're wondering, is God real? Where is he at? I just encourage you, maybe at nine o'clock tonight, you walk outside and look into the sky. Just look up like, wow, it's there. Like when I was thinking about this whole creation thing and the significance of it, I started like geeking out a little bit, like actually looking into the God's creation and looking at pictures and images of our universe. In fact, I came across this, this, uh, this picture or the, this, if you heard, maybe you've heard of the James Webb telescope and they've got incredible, incredible pictures. And this was the first one that was released from this telescope of, of deep, deep space. Now, this picture might not seem much to you, but you gotta understand something about this. This picture is billions and billions of light years away from us. This represents thousands, this picture represents thousands and thousands of different galaxies. 
Every one of those little lights that you're seeing, every one of those little lights is a different galaxy. It's a different one. Every one of those little lights, every one of those little lights have between 100 to 500 billion stars inside of it. That's how crazy this is. By the way, they say that if you took this picture right here, like to give you a perspective, if you took a grain of rice and you hold it up to the sky and you look through it, the amount of sky that you would see around that grain of rice would represent what you see in this picture by one of those galaxies. Like, like in other words, that's how unbelievably huge our universe is. It's overwhelming. And it goes so far that we don't have, we have no clue what's actually out there. What's going on? So they used to believe that there was about 100 billion galaxies. Now they estimate there's around 2 trillion galaxies. One of those galaxies is called the Milky Way. One of those galaxies is called the Milky Way, and it'll be on here. And and, uh, by the way, this is the one you live in. This is the one you live in. The galaxy is so massive and so huge, they estimate that it, is a, that it has about 200 billion stars in this galaxy. It would take 100,000 light years to cross from one end of the Milky Way to the other. And our, and, and our star is just one of those in this galaxy. And in that star is a bunch of planets. And one of those planets is this place, maybe you've never heard of it, called Earth. This little place called Earth. This place, Earth, 25,000 miles in circumference. It weighs about 6.5 billion trillion tons. What I think is significant is it literally is positioned in the exact perfect location. It literally, like one little bit closer to the sun, we all burn up. A little bit away from the sun, we all freeze to death. In other words, God placed it in the right spot where it absolutely needed to be. It spins 100,000 miles per hour. It flies through space at the speed of 1,000 miles a minute and your hair doesn't even get messed up. Think about that, if you have hair. That's how crazy this is. And that's just out there. Like, like we don't have time today to talk about how God designed the plant life and how God designed the terrain or the animals. We don't have time to talk about how God designed you. You are uniquely designed. We are put together in such a way, not only can we think, we can love, we can care, we can act, we can listen. And here we church, that is a miracle in itself. And so then I thought, well, let me just drive it home with even more facts for you. So just maybe that'll help you a little bit of math. So, so just looking at the current travel time to these different places, taking what we can do in our human way, we can go 25,000 miles per hour. That's the newest way NASA has us going, 25,000 miles per hour, the fastest we can go. Get this, taking that into consideration, it would literally take us four days in a man craft to get to the moon. If we wanted to go to Mars, it would take us seven months to get to Mars. It would take us 9.5 years to get to Pluto. I don't know who wants to go there, but to get to the nearest star from the sun, it would take us 73,000 years to get there. To circle our galaxy, the Milky Way, just ours, it would take you 200 million years to circle it. And get this, and to get to the nearest galaxy closest to us, the galaxy that's closest to the Milky Way, it would take you 750 million years to get there. That's how vast this thing is. And you say, Pastor, why do you share that with us? Why is that important? Because here's the thing, if anyone doubts the goodness and the awe of God, just look around you. Just look around you. You and I are without excuse because of nature. You and I are without excuse because we can look around and we see God's fingerprint on every detail of creation. It's why David could sit and write in the Psalms, Psalms 19, when he says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. 
Listen, church, when you look around, you see that our God was involved in the whole thing. He was involved in the whole thing. In fact, I wrote this way, if you're taking notes, I believe this. The design declares there is a designer. The design declares there is a designer. When you look at your design, when you look at the design of the world, when you look at the design of the universe, God was involved in it all. You and I are without excuse. We're without excuse. What do we do with this information? I will say, well, first of all, I'll tell you that what not to do with this information is don't use it to make bad excuses. <laughs> but the other thing I would say to you is rather we should use it the other way to, to really declare that our God is so big. We can use it to declare that there is nothing that our God cannot do. And in fact, there is nothing in my life that he cannot do. We can be done with excuses because Yes, the wrath of God is serious, but we also can be done because the, great, the creation of God is so significant. Let me give you the last one today. Number three, I think why are we without excuses because of the sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient. We're without excuse because the sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient. In fact, Paul addresses this in Romans chapter two, verse one. He says this, you therefore have no excuse You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing. So in other words, what Paul's doing is he's putting it on us. He's putting it right back on us. We we have no excuse for anything else. It's you, and ultimately you're the problem. And he goes on and writes again, go down to verse five, he says, but because of your stubbornness, no one's stubborn in here, right? Don't point to your neighbor, right? Just saying. Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentive heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. He goes on in verse six. God, God will repay each person according to what they have done. I don't know about you, but when I read that, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure on all of us. I wanna illustrate this morning as we close out, Pastor Matt's gonna help me. And, and, and I think you and I need to understand how this looks. As we close out today, how does this all play out? We, we are all created, born on this planet with sin being a problem, with this, this, this destiny of wrath that we are to face. So, so Pastor Matt comes and he, I, he's got a, you got to unzip. All right, just stand this way, right? And he's got this backpack on. And, and, and what it illustrates to me today is sometimes there's sin, the things in our lives, guess what they do? They weigh us down. And it, it, it looks like, so we, it's almost as if there's this thing on us and, and, and we, we take on this sin, we tell us, and this is what happens. Okay, hold on, my brother. We sin and it immediately just comes this burden on side, inside of us. It literally weighs us down. But here's the reality. It weighs you and I down. Our excuses are like, well, I, I, I can't do anything about things in life. I'm, I'm kind of going my own way. I've got my own thoughts. Or, or maybe we're in that place of like, well, hey, this low view of sin, well, it's just this one little thing. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's not a big deal. But the problem is like, yeah, okay, well, there's one. But the problem is you and I tend to sin. We tend to bring weight upon ourselves all the time. And so the weight just continues to get added and added to our lives. And the weight continues to cause us to be ineffective. The weight continues to cause us to question who God is. Does God love me? Is he actually even real? It just keeps coming and building and building upon it. And the longer you live this way, the Bible says, the more the wrath of God is being stored up. The more we live on our own way, the more that this wrath gets heavier and heavier and heavier, and we keep carrying things around. It doesn't stop, like, right? More weight just keeps added to our lives all the time. Like even, even small things, even the small weights that get added to our lives, it just keeps multiplying and adding up and weighing us down, making us more and more ineffective and questioning whether God is really who God says that he is. And then it comes the issue for many of us is that we, we feel this weight, It's dragging us down. We want to change. 
We, we're like, I, I know. So what do we do? We're like, well, I mean, how do I really get rid of this? But we do the little things. Well, hey, I, I went to church this one Sunday. That should take some weight off. You know, I, I only said one bad thing about somebody. That should take some weight off. Well, hey, man, you know what? I actually smiled at the barista at the coffee place. Thank you, Jesus. You know what, God? Here's what I did. I took a moment today. Think about it. I said, you are good, and I read one verse. Shouldn't that take it all off? And absolutely, we feel those little things happen, but the weight still is always there. Because by the little things that we're doing, we're not really solving the problem. We're still carrying around the weight. But I love, because guess what? Paul gives us a solution. And this is what he says, verse chapter three, verse 23. For all have sinned. For all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So, so he's, he's reminding us, look, everyone's done it. Can I, I know it's been tough church maybe to hear some of this, but the reality is this, you and I should never feel bad about it. I mean, the reality is we all have this problem. We all have a sin problem. We all add those things to our life. But so what did Jesus do? So, but he gives us this, this solution and he starts to write in verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So what did Jesus do? What's the redemption? Well, Paul tells us, and look what he says in verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement like through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So Paul gives us the answer. He says, it's through the atonement. You know what atonement means? Atonement means payment for. It means payment. Atonement means in place of, like it took the place. So what happens is, is we carry around all this, this weight, this heavy stuff that's burdening us and religion offers some temporary relief. Well, if you just do these little things, but then Jesus steps in and he says, listen, listen, I've got something better than religion for you. I've got an atonement. I got something that's gonna take the place of it. I got something that, that's paid for it all. So God sent his son, Jesus, saying, you know what? You, you, you gotta work this thing. We, I got a solution. I got an answer for the world. And here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to the cross. And by doing that, Jesus says, I'm gonna take all this. Wow, easy, man, I'm old. Um, he takes all this stuff from us and he bears it himself. He's like, I'll take the weight. I'll take the burden and I'll put it on me. God sent his son to take the load off, to take the weight off. And he takes the sins that you and I have stored up that has weighed us down, the wrath that you and I have brought upon ourselves. And guess what Jesus does? He takes it. He takes the wrath, he takes the weight, he takes the hopelessness and he takes it on himself. And how many know this is what Jesus carried to the cross. He carried my weight. He carried your weight. He carried your wrath. He carried God's wrath for you and me. He takes our weight. And what I even love about, by the way, I, I would encourage you, it's beyond just your failures and your mistakes that he takes on. Here's the good news of the gospel. Not only does he take your sins, but he takes your stress. He takes your lack of peace. He takes your, your need for healing, your need for restoration. That weight that you carry, guess what? He takes it on and he carries it for us. That's what Paul's doing. He's setting it all up to say, yeah, 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 there's this. But then let me tell you about what Jesus did for you. Let me tell you about how Jesus took this whole thing on. So here's the gospel in a nutshell. It'll be on the screen. Jesus took what I deserved so that I could get what he deserved. Jesus took what I deserved so that I could get what he deserved. Jesus deserved heaven. We didn't. We didn't deserve grace. We didn't deserve someone to take the weight, but Jesus took it on. He took it for us 
so that we can get what he deserved. Everybody's guilty. Everybody wanders. But by faith, when we put our trust in God, guess what happens? Jesus takes that weight for us and he puts it on himself. And because of that, you and I can walk free. And we also can achieve all that God has for us, the plans and the destiny that he has for, for us. But ultimately, because he takes the weight, we can be bold and confident to live a life without excuse. You do know that because of the cross, there's no more excuses for us. We can't sit back and say, well, God, Jesus didn't do it for me. God didn't come through for me. God didn't help me. I just wanna tell you that's false. He did it for you. And because he did it for us, we can live life free. We can live life on mission and with purpose and with destiny, and we can live life without excuse. So how do we live life without excuse? Just quick, like a recap and just simply be on the screen. I think we live life, we take God's wrath very seriously. How do we live life? without excuses. We, we live in all of God's creation. We live in all of it. And then lastly, how do we live a life without excuse? Well, you know what? We walk in confidence because of, the, because of Christ's sacrifice. We can live in, we can walk in confidence. We can walk free be, simply because of what Jesus did for us. Can I tell you today, God is sufficient for you today. He's sufficient. He's what you need. He's more than enough. He's more than enough that, that you, can, you can have that hope and that peace that God is with you. He does love you. He does care for you. He does have plans for your life. We can have no excuses. So, so this morning, let's believe him. Let's trust him. Let's live for him. Hey, let's talk about him. But probably more importantly, how about we just serve him with all that we have? And as we serve him, guess what? Everything else falls into place. Just stand with me this morning, man. Let's just take a moment. We have no excuse this morning not to worship him because he's worthy of worship simply by what he's done for us, how he's taken the weight that is upon us. And as we take a moment this morning just to worship for a moment, maybe you're sitting out here and you feel overwhelmed by the weight. And maybe it's not even sin. Maybe it's just the weight of the stress in your life. Maybe it's the weight of the things that you're facing. Maybe it's the weight of the decision that you have to make. Whatever that weight is, I believe as we worship God, as we make a draw a line and say, God, I don't have any more excuses. It's really all about you. I think that weight the freedom. But I think it begins right now with our worship. So can we take a moment as Pastor Brenton begins to lead us? Can we just worship him? Say, God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for what you've done for us. How you created a solution to the problem. God's done that for me and he's done that for you.
Lord, I just pray today that we are so thankful. And Lord, we can, we can look at the, the wholeness of God. God, I pray you forgive us if we ever got to a place where we're putting you in, in this box or this box or this box. Because the same that could be said about, there are many Christians who just focus on the wrath of God and forget his love. And Lord, we don't want to do that either. You are a God of love and peace and care. We don't want to forget that. So Lord, help us to look at you as one whole God that loves us, that cares for us, but also desires that we live lives that are pleasing and holy. And so as we pray today, I want to pray for those in the room today. And if you're in the room today with our heads bowed and our eyes closing, and you would say, hey, you know, this weight thing that you talked about, Pastor, is, is it's probably where I'm at. Like, um, I need to probably need to commit to the Lord everything and allow the weight to fall off so that I can serve him with my whole heart. And maybe you're here today and you say, hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm not where I need to be. Would you pray for me? And I'm not going to embarrass you. You're right where you are. I just want to know who I'm praying for. But if you're here today and that's you, I just want to ask you to put your hand up real quick and put it down again. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Anyone at all? Anyone else? Come on. This is your opportunity. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. So many people raise their hand, God, and say, hey, listen, I, I got a weight that I'm carrying. And Lord, I pray as we are to collectively in this room, all we have to do is, Lord, call out to you and say, Lord, would you come and, and live in me? Would you forgive me of my sins? And help me, God. I believe in you. I believe in all that you have for me. And I want to live a full life committed to you. So I give you my heart. I give you my life. For those of us in this room today, may we get rid of the excuses. I am without excuse this morning. I want to live for the Lord in every area of my life. Not, not a perfect and perfected, but that's what the cross is for. So help us, Lord Father, to, to walk with you, to desire to serve you and to please you. We love you. We honor you. We pray God blessings upon your people. May your face shine upon them. Lord, may you, may you go before them and watch over them and provide for them until we come back together just to worship corporately together. We love you. We honor you. Jesus is good. And we love you. Amen. 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 Hey, 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 come on. Let's give it up for God. He's good. Hey, come on. Hey, go, go enjoy the Super Bowl tonight and have fun. And we look to see you next week. Don't forget, grow you and all the things were happening. If you're a member, you can grab some stuff on your way out. God bless you. This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at azulachurch.com.